that is the Gold Cup hero. Two of the most admirable chasers you could possibly wish to see. Good afternoon and welcome to the Race Hour in association with bookmakers.co.uk and sponsored by our friends at Fansbet. Two points to note this week very quickly. Firstly, as you'll already be aware, it's myself, Darren Hughes, in the host chair, covering once again for an absent Dean Ryan. And also, as you'll already be aware at this point, we're coming at you at the earlier time of Tuesday afternoon as opposed to our usual Thursday the reason for that being that we record our race hour at Cheltenham preview night tomorrow night in the Goat in Dublin. And let's just say a few of our panel members would likely be rather worse to wear on Thursday. Would they have to record yet another podcast then? But I am, as always, delighted to be joined by Dermo Nolan. How are you, Dermo? All good, Darren. How are you, man? Good. Not too bad. Not too bad. Looking forward to getting stuck into some very juicy handicaps with you and also with Key and Kirby. How are you, Key? Yeah, very good. Thanks, Darren. Um, just two weeks to Cheltenham now, so yeah, looking forward to it. That's right, yeah. This time, two weeks, we'll know how far Dyser Dynamo's won the Supreme Boy. And Simon, Chris, uh, Fry Boy, as he's also known, how are you keeping, Simon? Hi, Darren. Very good. Uh, thank you very much. Hi, lads. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, look, we'll kick straight into the podcast. Uh, and Dermot, I'm going to come to you first. Um, as most listeners will be aware, we saw part two of Paul Kimmage's soliloquy slash biography on Stephen Mann slash I don't know what else you're going to, what else you'd call it uh, I know you have a few thoughts on this so I, I, I'll let you reel off there but I suppose the reaction to this was very mixed to say the least yeah massively mixed Aaron there's there's kind of two sides to the row there's the racing people who can't take any criticism at all and are very precious versus the kind of the racing bros I always call them who clearly they, they clearly wear Paul Kimmage pajamas to bed and won't uh, they won't accept that he might have possibly done a, a, a poor job here. Um, like the article was marketed to us as an expose on Irish racing with kind of trainer X being accused of doping his horses. And it's really a story where Kimmage is going out of his way to try to show us how poorly run the IHRB are in terms of catching these kind of drug cases. But if you take all all emotion out of it and what side you're on, because there is a middle course here where um, and that's always missed on Twitter, Darren, you're either pro or anti, but there is a middle path here because it is plain to see that Paul Kimmage misses badly here. Um, I believe there are problems in racing with drugs, um, as there are in every sport, in my opinion. And I was a huge fan of Paul Kimmage. His book, Rough Ride, is one of my favorite books ever. Uh, but this is mild behind any of the brilliant journalistic work there. Like, first of all, to, uh, again, to Coley look at this, the witness is a clear issue. We all know that, you know, the, like, the 2008 case is barely mentioned. That he calls that a complicated case in the article. That's where uh, Pike Bridge was starved so badly that he uh, he ate his own front legs. And then there's no mention of the fact that he can't own a dog um, because of the fact that uh, his two dogs killed 69 sheep in the farm next to him. And he lied for so long that he didn't own the dogs so that the farmer had to take him to court. So that poor farmer had lost all the, all that all that income, and then had to take him to court and miraculously the few days before and Stephen Mann. There's no mention of the fact that uh, he lied. To, uh, he tried to sell a story about his ex-partner, Tracy Pickett, told the newspapers that she was going out with a um, a rapist, a convicted rapist, but the newspapers wouldn't take the story off him. And then in the latest case, Kimmage is, is weirdly trying to say that he was kind of stitched up is what a lot of people took from it, but it omits reams and reams of evidence, Darren, like absolute loads of evidence. Anybody at home 
I'm not going to go on with all the evidence here, but search Stephen Mahan on the IHRB website and go back to June and read the evidence there. Like, there's no way out of it. It's, it's so poor that Kimmage leaves out so much there. It's painted. Anyone that doesn't know horse racing would read that and think that, it, that Stephen Mann was stitched up. And it wasn't. But look, moving on from all that, it was pointed out to me that scumbags can make good witnesses. So let's forget Stephen Mann's character for a second. The painfully obvious other aspect here is that he didn't actually see anything. Um, his witness of uh, trainer X, whoever this horse racing trainer is who's drugging horses... He, he's getting a WhatsApp message from somebody that he won't name. Um, and then Kimmage seems to believe that, though, that these WhatsApp messages are, are genuine. And then, but then seems to kind of be dismissing the, the kind of witness of the horse's welfare because she kind of retracted her statement. I'd say she was scared, the poor girl who retracted her statement on, on the welfare of the horses. Well, obviously the messages with Lynn Hillier from Mahan are true. Um, because there's no way you can print them without them being true. Kimmage is still operating with a selective burden of proof here that he just seems to completely accept that these WhatsApp messages are genuine when it's fairly obvious that there's 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 huge issues with them. I mean, I've long held the opinion and I've stated it on this podcast that the IHRB and the BHA are not fit for purpose when it comes to performance enhancing drugs and catching people that are clearly doing it. But I don't believe these articles showed anything though. Like, as Vincent Finnegan said in the irishracing.com, man's dates change every day. He couldn't name the horse that was apparently drugged. And when they did, when Lynn Hillier and the IHRB did order a test on a horse that he said was doped, it came back negative. So how can the IHRB blindly follow the word of a crazy pathological liar? There's, there's like, literally these, these, these Paul Kimmage bros are order, are are claiming that people should lose their jobs and Lynn Hillier based, but but based on what? We have, we have a very questionable witness who hasn't actually witnessed anything, who's, um, who's has is now being done for animal, animal neglect three times and has also tried to stitch up his ex-partner. And they're expecting Lynn Hillier, who has messaged him back and dealt with him as, as well as she could, is expecting her to order all these different things on the base of his word. I'm sorry, it's, it's absolute, it's just not on at all. Racing has its issues. I, I fully believe that. As I said before, I believe that most top-level sports have a drug problem. Racing, in my opinion, is no different. But Paul Kimmage it does not look like he's anywhere close to showing us anything, as he didn't with rugby as well. And I know he did brilliant work in cycling, but he's done very little since, as far as other sports goes. And yeah, Darren, I think, it, I think it's very problematic. It looks very bad for our sport. And I just think that the the whole two articles could be thrown out, really. If it was a court of law, Darren, not one bit of them would be actually listened to. Yeah, very hard to disagree with any of that, Darren. I suppose he had the guts of 20,000 words to to make some sort of lucid case. Uh, Pretty much failed to do that on, again, pretty much every count, as you say. He's already fallen down once with rugby, uh, appears to have done so again. And his behaviour, I suppose, on social media yesterday would kind of... uh, not that I'm defending Kevin Blake, he doesn't need me to defend him, but uh, it, it kind of would just show you the measure of the man. So yeah, quite quite hard to disagree with anything that you've said there, but um, hopefully that is near enough the end of the of this Paul Kimmage saga, unless he actually does have something to come to uh, some sort of evidence to come forward with, in which case I'm sure he'd be welcome with open arms. But this, oh yeah, if he does, we'd absolutely love him for it. The, yeah, the, this, the, the sport needs a proper investigative journalist he has an unbelievable pedigree and i just hope to god that he actually does pull something out of the bag because that was nothing anyway wasn't it absolutely yeah and look any more of this hearsay certainly won't be welcomed i don't think by the racing fraternity but moving on to 
I suppose, less serious matters. Uh, Kian, I'm going to come to you first. Was there anything from the weekend, uh, Paul Kimmage aside, maybe that stuck out to you from a racing perspective? Yeah, I think uh, well put there, Dermo. Um, I'll just t- touch on a couple of horses throughout the week. Uh, just to punch us down on Wednesday, um, a horse called My Immortal won a handicap. Um, missed the last, absolutely hacked up. He looks like a rapidly improving horse. And then just two bumper horses that caught the eye. One at Exeter on Friday called um, Altablini. Was well supported for a bumper for Harry Fry. One impressively. He looks like a nice type. And also at um, Hereford on Sunday, um, a horse called Denaire absolutely hacked up in a in a bumper at 11 to 1. Uh, he looks like a, a rapidly improving horse. So just a couple of horses for the notebook there. Very good. Thanks very much for that, Kian. And Simon, I'll come and ask you the same question. Was there anything from the last week or so that might have stood out to you that might give our listeners a pointer towards a winner or two in the near future? Away from the obvious, um, I think everybody in the world managed to see our power in the uh, in the Coral Trophy at Kempton, staying on extremely well at the end of that, that race, having got slightly outpaced and hampered around the bend. Uh, one that I'd, I'd be interested in for the future is a horse called Fantastic Lady, of Nikki Henderson's, and I've got to not see her enter the at, at Cheltenham. I saw her at Wincanton. She's the most beautiful specimen of a horse. She's huge, and she was underperforming. All of a sudden, the last few runs, she suddenly found a form and looks a, a, a decent prospect. She was third, again, looking outpaced at Kempton. All her form is right-handed. All her wins have been right-handed. Obviously, um, sorry, it's left-handed. And that was probably as good a right-handed run as she's, she's given at Kempton. When she's back around a left-handed track, I certainly think she's she's got a decent um, race in her. Just to get on my soapbox for a second, but only very briefly, I think punters have been not, not necessarily stitched up, but the rule over here with very limited novice hurdle runs and then chucking horses into novice handicap chasing, it's been highlighted in the last week by two massive cases with um, Juno Mino of Christian Williams winning a few days ago at Ludlow, having been beaten 36 lengths, 87 lengths and 60 lengths, wins in a novice handicap chase of 78. And Laura Morgan, who nothing against Laura Morgan, she she seems adept at it. Champ is real one, again, beaten 66 lengths, 10th of 10, 79 lengths, 6 of 9, 55 lengths, 8 or 9. Been going off 200 to 1, 300 to 1, wins easily off five to four favourite. It just doesn't look great for the sport when you've got horses beaten out of sight, then bred for chasing, running over chasing off low handicap marks. Um, I just think that maybe we should be looking at the rules sooner rather than later so the handicap has got more of a guide on on what mark to give these horses. I suppose, Simon, yeah, I was just going to come in there and say it's something I've spoken about before in the podcast as well. In, the, in Ireland, the two disciplines are kept completely separate. So you do often get cases where horses have performed to a high level over fences and then can come back and run over a lower hurdles mark, which isn't always great either. But I think it's preferable to the situation where you've just described maybe that, as you say, a horse can have a few quiet runs over hurdles and then gets a mark over fences that's kind of completely unjustified. They're, they're pulling it from the sky. They have no evidence as to what mark. As the whole point of handicapping is, a reflection of the horse's ability in that discipline. How could you possibly have a reflection of the horse's ability in the discipline of chasing if they've only had three runs in novice hurdles? Would you like to see maybe a situation more similar to what we have here in Ireland where you actually need to run in a beginner's chase before you can, um, or, or one or two beginner's chases before you can get a mark? Absolutely. We're, we're doing it. Like you said, we're almost picking handicap marks 
you know, out of the air. You've you've got a situation. There was a horse called Clear the Runway, also of Laura Morgan's, which also ran similar. Similarly, I think he ran the same day as Champions Real, and again won. He at least had shown point form beforehand, um, and then even then he he'd been beaten quite a long way in in her novice hurdles, and has been supported and wins in a wins in a novice handicap chase. There's a horse later on today running. By the time the listeners hear this, it'll obviously run. But a horse called For Fit's Sake. Again, Laura Morgan's 7th to 7, 6th to 7, 9th of 12 over in Novice Hurdles. It's ran in a, a, a handicap chase, well supported off 79. All of a sudden, it's been dropped down to 75. And whilst punters, you can see it there and you can you can make assumptions for yourself. It, it'd be nicer um, if... If the opposition, if if nothing else, if you take betting out of it, and obviously we're, it's run for for punting, but what chances has a, another horse got if it's exposed all of a sudden runs against these horses running off to both the Junamino and Champions Real both one off seventy eight? You've got a really modest 80, 82 rated horse, even if it's well handicapped and gets off eighty. What chance have they got staying in training when you've got opportunities of bumping into into these animals? And it's not the trainer's fault; it's the system. Um, and I think fundamentally, the way we've got it this year, it's been highlighted numerous times. Yeah, you'll get no disagreement here from me, Simon. What I would echo also, yeah, it's 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 you can hardly blame the trainer. It'd be remiss of the trainer not to take advantage of these opportunities. But it's certainly uh, for the BHA to to come down and and maybe change the system that we have. But anyway, that's the weekend out of the way. So. We will move on now, and this is the handicap episode of our Cheltenham sort of preview episodes in, in the run-up to the festival. So we're going to take a quick look at each of the handicaps on the four days of the festival. Obviously, the weights came out this morning, uh, so that gives us a better steer as to who might be well in, who might not, uh, what sins the, the British handicapper has committed this time around. So, so I mean, I'm going to actually stick with you. It's the, the first handicap of the festival on day one. It's the ultimate. It's one of those races where the Irish have a particularly poor record. I think it's 15 or 16 years since we last had the winner. Uh, did you get a chance to have a look at this and what are your initial thoughts? Yeah, I, I, as ever, it looks open. I think it's going to depend a lot on, on Frodon. If, if Frodon runs, which I doubt he will, but obviously that will keep the weights down. From the English perspective, I'd love to see I right run here rather than the Gold Cup because I don't think he's got a hope in hell in the Gold Cup where he's got proven handicap form. Um, around Cheltenham and also Jericho Rock, which ran in a few races that have worked out really well. The classic chase is working out well. I I don't know. I don't know if you or any of the boys know what the plan is with the Jam Man. That's the horse that sticks out for me at the weights. Um, on over hurdles, I think he's been given a, a hurdle rating of one four four, and I think he's one forty in Ireland, and he's entered up obviously in the Potemps, um and another handicap hurdle. He's he still entered in this, and if he took his chance, he'd be in off one fifty. Uh, he's not been seen over fences since the Troy Town back end two thousand and twenty, when he won by eighteen lengths. The trainers, obviously, Ronan McNally's as shrewd as shrewd as they come. He would be from a handicap perspective the one I'd be really in, into if he was to run in that race because I could I could see him going really close. If he doesn't get entered, let's say I think it makes stay. Um, over this side, and I write or Jericho Rock. Yep, very good. The Jam Man in a twenty to one 
with our uh, our sponsors fans but of course they are none of no bet very interesting one there potentially for Ronick McNally should he show up here uh Keen, i'll come to you next i'll ask you the same question the ultimate handicap chase uh i think we discussed it briefly on the podcast last week in relation to a couple of horses who sort of were on the brink of that handicapper slash graded animal uh what are your initial thoughts on the race at this point yeah just having a look here and there's a bit of a, a market move on debt judy so it looked like he's the uh the gordon elliott runner i think he's eight to one now he was 14s or 16s the other day so yeah, Gordon named him there in the racing post, uh, Keen, just a few minutes ago as his best handicapped horse. He told I see, so that's where the money's come. Um, the one I do like is the Kim Bailey horse, Does He Know? I know he's his favourite and all, but he is a re- he's re- been really good over fences this season. Um, has some very strong form. Uh, he actually beat three under true five and then got beat, beaten by him. He was one of the better novices this season. Uh, he absolutely hacked up Alaska last time out. I think he can, off one five two. I think he can win it. Uh, we all remember last year, like Kim Bailey targeted the race with, with Happy Go Lucky. You know, a lot of people around him, he was favourite. I think he'll have him uh, fully wound up for this race. And then one at a bigger price is the uh, Fergal O'Brien trained Imperial Alcazar. Um, won at Cheltenham last time out and also has some good form behind Pat's Fancy. Um, I think at at 14 to 1, I think he's, he's well, well handicapped as well. So uh, they're the two for me. Two against the field for Key and Kirby. Uh, Dermot, our stricken host, Dean Ryan, had pretty much every race hour listener in the country uh, on Galahad Quest for this, and there was many, many tears of anguish this time last week when uh, it emerged he wouldn't be entering the race. Uh, did that set you back, any, or did you have a different approach to the race altogether, or what are your thoughts at this point? <laughs> yeah, 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 I know. I wouldn't tend to, until the NRMB pops up at the handicaps, I wouldn't be going too mental on them now unless you hear something, you know, particularly yeah. strong. Um, I, I don't quite get the debt duty stuff really. Um, I wouldn't call him particularly brilliantly handicapped, but look, um, the one that I, I love here and based on 20, obviously last year's handicaps aren't worth looking at, but 134 would have got you into the 2020 Ultima and Oscar Elite is off that mark. And like he was going to give three under true five a proper race first time out this season over fences and he fell three out. I think he would have finished ahead of does he know that day. He's been a bit of a disaster since, but Tizard Yard has been up and down all season. And, and and this horse last season as well left everything miles behind him to run on and be second in an Albert Bartlett. I really like these son of Oscars in the, at Cheltenham. Uh, he's really talented, this horse, on his day. He just needs to come back, but a lot of Tizard's horses are coming back now. Um, I just hope he goes for this and not the Kim Weir. I think the, this will suit him an awful lot more. And like just on the line through that first run when he was going to give 300 through 5 plenty of it and I think he would have finished ahead of does he know that day his mark of 134 could be absolutely stolen here uh, for a horse that was good enough to finish second in the grade 1 novice hurdle as well so Oscar lead of 134 Darren will be one of my uh, my better ideas going into the festival if he does turn up very interesting yeah wouldn't wouldn't put you off uh, him at all we've been well supported on more than one occasion and as you do say uh, there's a few yards going better than the Colin Tizard yard in association with Brendan Powell at the moment. Uh, Dermot, I'm going to stick with you uh, for our next race. It's uh, the Boodles Juvenile Handicap Red Winter Hurdle, uh, or some sort of mouthful along those lines. Uh, this is probably the potential handicap lot of the entire festival. Heads to market here with, with fans bet. Uh, Gaelic Warrior at 11-4. The whispers from this lads around this lads probably started maybe two or three months ago and uh, they've been reflected very strongly in the market since manages to run here off his French mark of 129 uh, are you with are you against uh, what are your thoughts on the race 
it's it's hard to be either, isn't it? You just don't have a clue. Um, yeah. he's he's clearly very good. The, the, the confidence coming from the Mullins is, is 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 just amazing. Um, the fact that they didn't even bother running him once they heard the mark. That's another big gauge and. Uh, Rich Richie's resurgency this season, as well as another thing as well that you know this this would kind of cap off what's been a real like. Obviously, Vauban will cap it off, cap it off, or another horse like that. But this horse, he is the kind of horse now that that could really really do that. But the odds now are just too short. You you, you couldn't be getting involved there at those odds. Um, the two I like are each way. Ben Seagal, if he's okay after his last run, I read that he burst, but he still entered and could could kind of still still turn up here. Obviously, that's not ideal, but if Noel Mead can kind of get him going because Noel Mead is a bit undersung when it comes to um to kind of to races at the festival at times. I mean, he's, he's had 22 handicap runners at Cheltenham in the last 10 years. He's very selective over what he brings. He's had two wins in seven places. That's an SP profit of £74 for a £1 stake. Um, he's kind of worth following. And Ben Seagal for him was really good for first time out this season beat a host of horses who've all won since he had two quiet runs afters but he needed to kind of three runs to qualify if he is okay and he runs I think he'll go off a big price same owner same jockey same trainer as Jeff Kidder who took this uh, race at big odds last season um, and the horse that finished second to him as well Prairie Dancer uh, now that horse gets in here off a mark of 126 so whether he gets in or not that's questionable but if he does get in he's very interesting but Ben Seagal at a decent odds there of about 20 to 1 of a mark of 131. He'd be my main kind of each way tilter there. Very good. Yeah, Ben Segal, as Dermot says, 20 to 1 with our sponsors. Fan bet. Uh, Simon, I'm going to come to you, ask you the same question. Uh, as I say, Gaelic Warrior is really the talking horse here, but Dermot is probably right. Very hard to get behind him at his current odds. Definitely. I, I couldn't agree more with, with what Dermot said about Gaelic Warrior. It was interesting to see um, Willie Mullins say, I think it was yesterday, that he's going to take him to to a, a course to give him some scrolling over hurdles because he's had limited scrolling over obviously UK hurdles rather than the French style hurdles. Um, I'm still disappointed that Brazil was, <clears throat> excuse me, that Brazil was able to win last time out because I, I thought that was an absolute plot job for the Boodles this year, but he's been hiked up to one three seven. <sighs> over Christmas, I like Sansegal. I thought he's the best of, of our horses over here. I, I like his run behind Porticello in the finale junior hurdle. He's a horse that tanks through his races. He's he's pulled like stink all three runs to date. He's the type of horse, if he gets in off one, two, six, a strongly run race may see him in better, in a better light. Um, the trainer's done well with these, these sort of horses and certainly this race in the past. And I just, I think San Segal would be my selection at this stage, albeit, Gaelic Warrior may have plenty in hand. Very interesting there. Yeah, I think that's the general conclusion is tread with immense caution uh, around the, the whole Gaelic Warrior um, with, with the amount of support he's been getting or the amount of talk he's been getting in, in recent weeks, but certainly worth having an each-way flyer in the race as uh, as both Dermo and Simon have suggested. Keen, round out with you. Boodle's uh, Hurdle, you've heard what the two lads have had to say. What do you reckon yourself? Yeah, I agree with uh, Gaelic Gaelic Warrior. I mean, like, like he's five five to two, eleven to four shot now. There's no way he'll go off any shorter than that. So I'd say if you're planning on backing him, you'll get seven to two, four to one in the day. Um, it's again, it's a it's a risky bet. You just don't know what you're going to get with him. I I do think the uh, the Irish Irish juveniles are much better than English ones this year. 
and the one I picked out is the Joseph Bryan trained uh, champion green he actually won the race a couple of years ago with um, Band of Outlaws which was a bit of a plot job I think champion green improved massively for the for the better ground at um, Nace last time that was his best performance this season and I think um, Joseph let him lay it out for this race better ground stronger pace I could see him uh, definitely getting a place I think he's around the 10 to 1 mark there I think that's a, a decent show Champion Green for Joseph O'Brien. Yeah, he's 15 to 2 with our sponsors, FanBet, but of course, it's a touch bigger elsewhere in places. Another JP horse there I'm kind of interested in in, in the shape of Brazil. Took a couple of goes to get off his get off the mark over hurdles, but did so in great style the last time. And yeah, I'd agree with what you said, Keen. I actually I'd struggle to think of a worse bunch of horses than the English juveniles this year. I actually I think they're particularly poor. And uh, following them going into festival season, I think we'll we'll, we'll send you to the poorhouse pretty quickly. Uh, Keen, I'm going to stay with you. Um, the one of the the, the longest running um handicap hurdles at Cheltenham is the Carl Cup. Uh, State man is favoured here. He's favoured for pretty much every handicap hurdle he can run in after his uh the weights came out this morning. He was allowed in a mark of one forty one. Massive talking horses for the Supreme earlier on in the season, but that kind of hasn't worked out just so well. Uh, he is nine to two with fans about roughly the same price elsewhere. But do you have a, a fancy for this race other than him? Yeah, I think it's hard enough to uh, pick the winner of this race one furlong out, not to mind two weeks in advance. But um, we'll give it a go. Um, yeah, state state man is he's a bit of a talking horse, right? But I think it's very hard to win a Coral Cup off of what he's done. I mean, second that old toy fell in a point to point and then won a a really weak race at Limerick at long odds on. So I think experience. Um, might catch him out. The two I've picked out are two English horses, actually. Uh, the first one is the Harry Fry train, might I? I think he's been running in against um, the best novices this season. I mean, he was second to Constitution Hill at Sandown, and then he was, was third to John Bonnet Haydock. Again, better ground will suit him. And also the one I like is um, the Nicky Henderson trained I am Maximus. Um, I think he, he's again he's done some, some decent form. He beat My Drogo in a bumper, um, was third to JPR one and was also second to Hillcrest last time out at Cheltenham. Um the player pair pulled a mile clear of the likes of Gedatonic, uh Pulligan Green and Dr. Ken. They're all decent horses and I think definitely there's a handicap in him of um one three four, so they'd be the two picks for me in the Coral Cup. Interesting shouts there from Key and Kirby, eighteen to one and eleven to one respectively. Yeah, I'd be inclined to agree. I am Maximus if he's the horse they think he is. Would look leniently treated off one thirty four. Simon, I'm going to come to you next. Uh, as Key rightly said, very tricky to get the winner of this race. Uh, you know, you could pick ten winners as he said a furlong out most years. So two weeks out is a little bit tricky, but we're going to give it a go anyway. What did you come down on? This is my handicap nap of the whole week. <laughs> oh, lovely. So- so, uh, it, to be fair, it, 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 uh, it form ties in with your metier at Lingfield. I think Gal Road has been properly campaigned this year. I think last year he looked a big backward baby. Um, he still won races and he won decent races. He ran in this contest last year and it was all too much for him. He could never go the gallop. Um, he looks a completely different animal this time around. What I really like is he's been campaigned over around two miles. So the race at Lingfield when he was second behind Metier, again, two miles. He's he's better off at the weights now with Metier. He his form at this trip, um, 
in November when he beat Unexpected Party looks phenomenal. Unexpected Party, he gave the horse a stone and and still won and won quite convincingly. Unexpected Party, now if he was to, to run against him, he would only be in receipt of three pounds. I really like these Twist and Davis horses at Cheltenham. He's got a superb record. I think he's just a real young horse going places. And I, I think he's a really good bet. Very good. Uh, we don't often hear handicap nap of the week in the Carl Cup two weeks before, but Gowell Road for, for an informed Twist and Davies team. Uh, I'd say that'll prick up a lot of ears of a lot of listeners after hearing that. Uh, Dermo, can you top that? Uh, oh God, no, 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 no. I, just, just to advise our listeners, uh, Simon there is one of the, the best tipsters I've seen you know, around the place. He's a phenomenal art, uh, article that's always well worth reading every day on uh, on Bookmakers, the, the Cottage UK, so I will be covering Girl Road after that. But uh, I like the way you're thinking. It's a bit of a mad price, 28 to 1 there for the Carl Cup. Um, in 2020, he was very unlucky in Martin Pipe. That was the day, Darren, when they did the standing start and the boss's Oscar was nearly murdered and... Uh, he was as well. If you watch him jumping, like I think it's a second. Um, he just like the the, the, the Darrell O'Keefe can't get this horse into a position. Just just can't get him there at all um, because of of the way they all lined up. You know, you've got all these keen like uh, conditional jockeys trying to kill each other for a spot. Like it was madness to do a standing start in that race. But anyway, that's a that's a matter for another day. But he runs a huge race to be eight that day um, behind. Indefatigable, and he looks. He's actually traveling really well, turning in when he gets um, he gets kind of smashed up again, and he's hampered like like it's just crazy the amount of times this horse is hampered. Darrow Keith can't get him into the race, but he stays on it and runs a huge race to be eight. He's kind of had a poor time with over fences, but this this just screams a bit of a JP McMahon is kind of getting back over hurdles. He he's in here off a mark of one hundred thirty eight, and. A 28 to 1, he's a big price for this and the Martin Pipe, whichever one he turns up for, obviously, he'll have both options. But I'd like him whichever way he goes there. I just think he's a bit of a mad price for one that has shown he handles Cheltenham and was smashed off the boards that day as well. He's eight years old now, so he might just be a bit brighter. And Chasen just hasn't worked out for him. He he managed to win twice over fences, like, but it's just not really his game. So uh, back over hurdles now off a mark that he can definitely exploit, Darren. I think uh, I like the way you're thinking wherever he turns up. Could be fascinating. And I like the way you're thinking after your explanation there, Dermo. Very good. Uh, he is a fairly big price with our sponsors, Fans Bet. I'm just trying to find him here. He is 28 to 1, as you, as you rightly pointed out. So that could be of interest to listeners also. And I'm going to stick with you, Dermo. Uh, we have the Grand Annual here. Um, you know, a few Irish fancies here. We tend to do okay in the race. Uh, Course Blime is one I like. You are a stricken host streaming at the pod who wants him to run the article, but uh, I think he could go very well here. This type of race suits him. Uh, a stat probably worth keeping in mind. Willie Mullins, a 4% strike rate in handicap chase in the UK. Does that play into your into your thoughts? Uh, what, what, how did you come down in the race? Uh, I think the handicapper has been very kind to one here, and that is before midnight of a mark of 148. Uh, this is the exact same mark as when this horse was second, but only one length, and he gave... Gave absolutely plenty to Fun and Bull Savola that day. Um, like really ran that horse. Just a brilliant run. And we know what Fun and Bull Savola has done since. He, he's gone to win at a much higher grade than that. So for him to get in here off that same mark of 148 for Sam Thomas, who's absolutely flying this season, I think 12 to 1 with uh, now running no bet uh, with fans bet is a very fair price considering the form that he actually carries in here. 
Um, so before midnight is very close. Uh, Simon said that his uh, that Goal Road was his uh, his best bet for the handicaps at the Cheltenham Festival, and uh, before midnight's kind of very close to be mine. There. Very good. Before midnight. So with that, Simon, I actually will move on to you. Do you come down the same way as Dermo before midnight, or did you have a different take in the race? I think it's a, from a punting point of view, it's a it's a nightmare at the minute. Um, I like one again with collateral form with before midnight, and that's if I had to put put my neck on the block, I'd say Sky Pirate just because he's been there, done it. If you'd have asked me two years ago, you're going to tip Sky Pirate up off 156. Uh, you know the horse never ever stuck his head in front. He's been a changed character. Um, he seems to always take a couple of runs to come into form. He started the season off 159, so when he was second behind before midnight. Uh, he was 159. He's down to 156. He looks to have been campaigned with this race in mind. So he would be long term. He would be my my selection. I'd be very surprised if he's not in the first four. The other thing to bear in mind, you wouldn't go far wrong back in whatever Davy Russell rides in this race. In in the eight times he's he's ridden in the race, I think six of the eight have placed, and he's had three winners. He's an absolute pass master. He's a genius of a jockey anyway. But I would certainly have a second and third glance at whatever Davy Russell rides. But as we stand right now, I'd, I'd like Sky Pirate. Sky Pirate for Simon. Yeah, he was one of massive interest to me as well. As you say, that course form, etc. He, he And he's been there and done it. He seems like a more resolute character these days. So fingers crossed he can go well for you. And Kean, I will wrap up with you. Uh, selection for the Grand Annual from yourself, please. Yeah, just two at the top of the weights that I picked out. Um pretty obvious one but the Willie Mullins um trained Ciel de Neige I mean he wouldn't look out of place in an article I'm not sure what the plan is to go for the article or if to go to this but um he could definitely have a handicap in him he's improved massively over fences and also the Gary Moore trained um editor de G he's um he's won his last two races at Cheltenham he's actually won four of his last five races just kind of gets to the front and can dominate races jumps really well he's off one five three I mean if he was in the champion chase, I'd back him to win that in a market without um, Shishkin and Energamy. I think he's that good. So he, he could um, surprise a few there. I think he's around the 14 to 1 mark. So those are my two picks. Yeah, you're absolutely spot on. Uh, very interesting is right. Yeah, uh, I didn't see any plan from Willie in either of the stable tours he's done, which given the colours he had in Asia, whereas, uh, not is probably not very surprising uh, in terms of his overall plans at Cheltenham, but we will see where he rocks up. Uh, we move on to Thursday now, uh, probably the biggest sheets race in the entire week at Cheltenham, certainly the stupidest race in the calendar. It encourages blatant cheating throughout the year, and, and if it was up to me, we'd get rid of it tomorrow. But anyway, that's not the point. Uh, Kean, I will stay with you for a selection, please, from the Bertemps Network hurdle final race. Yeah, you're right with this race. It's um, it's it's definitely for uh for cheaters and um the horse I like actually is a horse uh Gordon Elliott trains uh called Falcano. Uh, Gordon Elliott's actually won three of the last four races, and this horse was punted off the boards last year for the Martin Pipe. I think he fell at the first first um hurdle. Then he went off favourite at the Fairy House Grand National meeting. Was switched to um, or sorry, stayed over hurdles and was punted again. And even the last time at Nace, he was went, went off um, favour for a handicap hurdle, ran well, but just finished fourth to 21. So I reckon there could be a bit of a, a plunge on this horse again at the festival this year. And as you say, you got to be kind of 
looking at horses who aren't showing their potential throughout the season. And I think he's um he's definitely one that fits the bill. Yeah, uh, certainly Gordon Elliott would love to get a runner for uh, for the more or a winner I should say for the Morans, um at Cheltenham and Falcano certainly could be one of those this season. Um, Simon, I'll go back to you for a selection, please, on the pretemps or are your thoughts similar to mine? You're uh, you're not going to pick one out of protest. <laughs> I'd love to say that. Um, I I think if if come race time and the race is run, you can just see Sir de Belay winning and everybody looking at each other going how do we let it go off that price <laughs> he's, been, he's, he's danced every dance at the festival he won it in 19 he won it in 20 he produced probably his best ever run uh, at the festival when he was second in the stayers i was slightly surprised that the handicap english handicapper has given him 156 so he's, he is only one pound higher than his irish um rating i read today that Gordon Elliott saying he's leaning towards the potemps and I think the plan is... And yeah, Rob James book as well. Takes, uh, yeah, yeah, take, pound, yeah, absolutely. So, so I know, it, I know it's not in effect, but it is it, in effect. He's, he's running off sort of one, four, nine. Um, at the start of the season, when he was second behind Durasso at that time, he was rated one sixty. So I just think that he seems to come good every March. And I know he's getting a bit long in the tooth, but his form doesn't seem to be deteriorating that much. And in a race where everyone's looking for these unexposed horses, probably rightly so, I think he still still represents a bit of value and he looks certain to run his race. Yeah, Mark 156 certainly wouldn't be beyond him um, given the performances he's put in the last year or two, as you say, second in last year's uh, last year's stairs hurdles. So... Yeah, it's kind of an unusual, unusually lenient handicapping from the British handicapper towards uh, a Gordonelia trained hurdler. But there you go. And Dermo, I will wrap up here, I'll wrap up the pretemps with you, thankfully. Uh, do you have a selection or have you been swayed by anything either the two lads have said? Uh, no, I agree, first of all, with Simon completely. Uh, Sire de Burley was similar uh, when he won the race last time as well. Mark 151, he won off and he's kind of forgotten about that day. Everybody ploughed into the storyteller and Barry Garrity drove him home. Um, some horses like him are just like that. They're they're just below the top level, but they are they are handicaps. And Rob Jones, or Rob uh, James, claiming seven pounds is, is 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 daylight robbery. He's a fantastic jockey. So it's written um, the chat the festival winner, hasn't he? Is a champagne? Did yeah, he win? The yeah, yeah, he won. Um, minor, wasn't it? Yeah, no, the Kim Weir. Uh, what's the name of the horse? Champagne again? Classic. No, or am I making that up? No, no, no. Um, Kim Weir. I'll. It'll come to me there. Yeah, you can get it. But the other one. The other one um, as well is that will go off a huge price on the day is um, is uh, Mill Green. Um, he had uh, two. He's had two massively eye catching runs over two miles four at Cheltenham in the last two years in Martin Pipe, sixth in twenty twenty and seventh twenty twenty one. Coming from miles back, but uh, not managing to land a blow, but really running massively eye catching races, looking like. He'd need further on his comeback run. He qualified for this with a huge second at Haydock. He'll get in here off a decent, very low rating. Rest of them ahead of him. And he could end up going off 50 to 1 or so on the day, I think. And he could run an absolutely huge race. So Mill Green, he's the, the kind of outsider who, who could really run very, very well. Could even win it. But uh, Sire de Burley, I completely agree with Simon. I can see exactly where that angle. And uh, through the, the gift of my brain, but... Really, Wikipedia, because uh, that was driving me mad. It was uh, a Milan native that uh, Rob James won the Kim Weir on. Milan native, that's right, Jay, and the Jigs Town colours. Very good. 
Okay, um, and the next race we have on our plate is the Paddy Power Plate on the Thursday run at 10 past 4. Uh, and Simon, I'm going to come back to you for a selection here. Celebrate Dallin for uh, Philip Hobbs. He's, uh, I won't say a reformed character because he hadn't really put her foot wrong in France, but um, three wins on the spin, two over sticks, one over fences. He comes in here as the 5-1 to one favourite with fans bet. What's your take on the race? For me, it looks the trickiest handicap of the whole week. I, I, was, I was quite soft on Birchdale, until until I saw the weights come out today. Um, I thought he was really eye-catching at Leopardstown over Christmas. I ju- I, I, he just looks a reformed character with Ender Bolger. Um, but I think he's just, he's been battered like a lot of the, the Irish horses having this handicap. So if I had to put put my neck on the block, I'd probably hope that Kean's selection for the ultimate Imperial Alcazar misses that and comes here because I think he's... Wherever he goes, I totally agree. He's fairly well handicapped. I really liked the way he beat Beakstown. Um, I I like a strong stare over a trip. So I think he st- whilst he stays three miles and he's got every chance of running an Ultima, I would rather him, him running this this contest um, and he'd be staying well at the finish. And he's got decent course form. Guys who know how to lay out a winner for the Cheltenham Festival also. So... No complaints with that selection there from Simon. Derma, I'm going to come back to you before going to Kean. Uh, selection, please, the Paddy Power Plate. Uh, absolutely none yet, Darren. This race and the Martin Pipe are the two that I actually like to let the market develop. On the day, usually, they're they're usually absolutely smashed up something in them. As, as with all the handicaps, but I always find particularly those two races, in my opinion. So I'm um, happy to leave the plate this year, Darren. Very good. No hassle at all. Yeah, it's funny. It's 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 the one race I actually left off as well. This one I couldn't. I just couldn't come down on one for it. So was it's a uh, different. It's trying to figure out who's going to run where and stuff. And as you say, the market on the day of can often be an excellent indicator. I remember pictures going around on uh, social media last year of a cake that had been made for the winner before the race had been won. A celebratory cake for the shunter. Uh, so that kind of tells you. <laughs> I don't know. Did you see those either? That that kind of tells you that how, how strong the market will, or how strong an indicator the market can be for this particular race. But uh, Kean, I'm going to come to you. Let's see if you have any any moment of inspiration trying to find the winner of this, or have you uh, heard of any cakes being made up in any bakeries down in Cork? Maybe, uh, <laughs> the winner of the race. Yeah, super tricky race. Uh, the one I came down on was uh, Alan King's uh, The Glancing Queen. She was decent herder last year. She was only beaten ten lengths by Brave Man's Game. Rena uh, went on to run well at the Cheltenham Festival in the Mayor's uh, race behind Tell Me Something Girl. She's been decent over fences, won a banger and Warwick, and then she was only beaten 10 lengths by uh, Lamp Press at Cheltenham last time out. That's very strong form, and off 141, I think she might have a couple of pounds in hand. Very good. Uh, Key and Kirby sticking the neck in the line and, and going for a, a selection there, so... Fair play to him. And I'm going to stick with you, Kean, uh, for the last handicap race on the Thursday before we move on to the two on the Friday, and that is the Kim Muir. Uh, frontless salt has been effectively punted off the proverbial boards this morning after uh, some positive comments from Gordon Elliott uh, when the weights came out. But uh, he is 9-2 currently with, with fans betting on runner no bet. But I suppose this is a race that often revolves around what jockeys ride what, given the amateur nature, the nace, a- amateur nature of the race, I should say. So I'm going to stick with you for a selection here, if you can, please. Yeah, I'm just going to keep this one simple and uh, follow the money and follow Gordon Elliott. I think uh, Frontal Assault will be one of the, the best-backed horses in the, the Cheltenham Handicaps this year. And I think he's 5-1 to one now. I can see him going off 5-2 to two or so. And I think he'll, uh, he'll take all the beating in this. 
Yeah, very hard to disagree with that. Uh, as the man says, follow the money. Simon, are you going to be following the money here or have you come down on a different selection in this race? To- totally respect frontal assault. Um, again, another very similar type to, to Birchdale. I think whilst you might not have loads in hand, I've always thought Champagne Platinum was a bit of an underachiever for Nicky Henderson. He really caught my eye a couple of years ago at Sandown when he finished third behind Itchy Feet in the Silly Isles Novice Chase because it didn't look off a yard that day. Um, sort of hacked round at the back, flew home, never nearer to finish third. And I've followed him ever since. He's He's got two decent festival runs to his name, finishing seventh and fifth in the last couple of festivals. Again, if Ender Bowl just sweetened him up, which he looks to have done, I know he hasn't got that much in hand of Ain't That a Shame. I just think the, the way the race is run, it could, could be run to suit him. It, and he could be sort of sneaked in, into the contest at the last fence. And uh, I'd go for Champagne Platinum. Champagne Platinum, yeah. I suppose an underachiever probably is a phrase that could be associated with that horse. But if there was uh, ever an owner-trainer partnership to get one sweet for the big day, it's Champagne Platinum. So fingers crossed he can go well for Simon. And Dermot, I will come to you to wrap up Thursday's handicaps. Can I get a selection for the Kim York from you, please? Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, I've never heard as much confidence for a festival handicap as there is around the place for a uh, frontal assault. There's, there's people that I respect their opinion beyond all belief. And whenever I've asked them anything over the last few weeks, it has been just, just telling me to shut up and go away and back frontal assault. Um, I, I've never heard anything like it really haven't. Um, it, it's unbelievable. And sometimes this happens like, you know, I was going to be taking them on, but remember with kind of like Bob Ollinger last season, you know, there is just every now and then there's just not that I'm comparing frontal assault to fucking Bob Ollinger, obviously, but there's sometimes just this confidence can build up where it just it, it, it just seems like it just can't be stopped. So frontal assault more than likely just wins. He's on a mark of 145, but Rob James will more than likely be booking because everyone needs to remember that Jamie Codd and Gigginstown seemed to, uh, fell out a few years ago. It seems he, he doesn't ride at all for them. Um, so Rob James will claim seven pounds off this horse, and um, like it's three good runs behind the likes of Floor, Sailed and Age, and, and Bustleton. He carries in some decent form as well. It just looks a real, this is a real bit of a handicap blot, I think, and uh, frontal assault in the Kim Weir. Uh, Darren could could land one hell of a punt for everyone in Ireland, I think. Well, fingers crossed he does. Uh, as a tentative selection for myself, I, I did come down to Mr. Coffey, who I think prefers going left-handed, and this sort of trip could just bring out the monkey inside him, and he might actually get his head in front for once, but that is a very tentative selection, especially given the confidence behind frontal assault from the Gordon Elliott camp. Uh, right, Dermot, I'm going to stick with you with our last two handicaps where I jump to a quick break. And it, this is the county hurdle. It's been pretty much farmed by the Irish dance through the years. Um, but do you have a selection for this year? Again, state man heads the market here after uh, probably some lenient handicapping um, from the British. Yeah, Mark 141 is, is very fair considering how much this horse was punted off the board at Leperstown. All the talk was that this, this, the start of their season was that he'd be up there with with, with the likes of Bob Ollinger and stuff as, as one of their supreme horses. So a mark of 141 could be very hard to to resist. And I, I I really like this horse. I love what he did at Limerick. The experience thing that Keane says is completely right. I completely can see that. But sometimes the likes of St. Wall, a horse can just be way ahead of his mark and he'll get away with it. And Josh Wright on Twitter, I recommend everyone to follow him. He's very, very good. Um, Josh underscore HW, I think his name is. And he's very good for stats. And the last five years, he kind of he put this out the last day as an angle. Willie Mullins has a clear angle in handicaps the last five years. And it's, it's horses have had three runs or less that season. 
um, have gone up one furlong and trip and have, have had zero handicap wins. They're four wins from 18 runners and that's uh, plus 58 BFSP. Um, so a bet for SP, obviously. Uh, that's phenomenal. Like, you know, that's a proper record there. And you saw with Gallop in the Champs last year. You saw with uh, all those all those kinds of horses. So um, there's 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 a good few of them. So Stateman fits that to absolute perfection. And uh, I just think that was he's a short price now. I hope he will be bigger on the day. I'm not putting him up to back, back him now. We back him on the day more than likely. Uh, but you can see that it's all might be crescendoing towards Stateman being a a small bit of a handicap plot there, Darren. Yeah, very easily wouldn't wouldn't take the the imagination of a lunatic now to see that uh Dermo at all, uh so that's good from yourself. Uh, Simon, I'm going to move on to you quickly. Uh, do you have any selection for this race, or is this one you're happy to leave off for another week or two? Um, I'm going to go proper left field. I've always liked. Uh, shall we have one more? I think he he and I was really impressed again with the run the weekend behind Ockham Risk. I just think one three three may struggle to get in. If he does get in, I think a faster run race. I can see that going well for the Moors. The one I'll, I'll tip up at a massive price. You'll have to go a long way down the the betting to find him. Is Global Citizen of Ben Paulins, which he will be any price. But this is a horse that was good enough to run seventh in a Champion Hurdle. He was good enough to run fourth in an Arkle Chase. He had a wind surgery. I think it's his, his second wind surgery. Um, just after Christmas this year, and he reappeared at Haydock in a race won by Tommy's Oscar, where he was miles worse off at the weights than any of the first four or five in the in the race. He travelled like a dream. He was still tanking on the bridle, sort of going into the last. He ended up finishing second at 25-1. to 1. He then backed that up at Sandown, running against Goshen and Guard Your Dreams. So he's, he's been running some decent races. This time last year, he was in... Uh, the county off 150. He's down to 136. He's hopefully be now freshened up since that last run. I could just see the race run into suit and he could easily sneak a place and at huge odds. I think Global Citizen, who's got a really good wins to run record, um, may just outrun his odds. Citizen there for Simon. He is a 33 to 1 chat with fans bet. Um, type of horse you could probably see it being a similar price on the day. Um, so we shall see how he gets on. Uh, but certainly an interesting shout. He's uh, coming back to some sort of form this season. And Keen, I'm going to close out with you then for the county hurdle. Do you have a selection here for us? Yeah. Um, Willie Mullins and Dan Skelton have won six of the last seven runnings of this race. So I think that's um, I think you should be sticking with them here. Obviously, Willie Mullins. I think he's four of the top six in the market. Statement. Um. He's, Definitely when handicapped, he's very highly regarded. I just think the experience might catch him out. Um, Skelton's only significant runner seems to be uh, West Cork, who I was reading articles during the week. He's adamant he's a, he's a graded horse. Um, he had a really bad injury to Ascot, but he's been uh, given time to recover since that. So I reckon off, I think he gets in off 1-4-1. Um, I, I can't see him out of the places, so I think he's um, he's a decent bet here. Yeah, no disagreement. I think Dan did say last autumn that he could uh, he could win the the county hurdle with this horse if it was run tomorrow. So he was going to put him away for that. So let's see if that front that plan I should say can come to fruition. And then you'll always be delighted to hear we can wrap up the Cheltenham handicaps with the Martin Pipe. Uh, you talk about a benefit for Gordon Elliott and Willie Mullins. They have won five of the last ten. It would have been six if what was the horse that fell? Column of Fire was it? 
column of fire was. I think you're right, yeah. Owen Walsh wrote it. Yeah, you're dead right. Fell at the last yeah. in 2020, allowing Indefatigable to win for Paul Weber. But, Dermot, seeing as you jumped in there, I'm going to go to you. Uh, do you have the winner of the Martin Pipe since you've stuck your neck in the line there? Uh, no, no, I don't. No, this is one of the... Uh, Sorry, you said it, yeah. I, yeah, no, no. You said you let the old market develop here, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you're probably right. It's a, it's a race Gordon, of course, loves to win, given his connection to Martin Pipe from back in the day. And I think William Mullins just loves to win it because he simply loves to win. Uh, Simon, I'm going to come to you for a selection here, please. I will. I've narrowed it down at the minute. I've, I was keen on Sam Felicien, but I see he's now been taken out. Um, so I then was down to stick with Gordon Elliott, either Ashtree Meadow or Hollow Games, whichever one he runs. And if he runs them both, I'm going to going to struggle between picking the two of them. Astrid, I like these. Gordon's done it in the past with strong stayers winning this race. And I like the fact Astrid Meadows come from the pointing field and, and been winning over three miles. Um, Hollow Games has, has got that touch of class uh, and, and his form stacks up extremely well. So they're the two I think we'll concentrate on. Yeah, I think Hollow Games uh, does plan to go for the Albert Bartlett according to Gordon's stable tour with the, without the races today. Uh, but I would completely agree with you on Ashley Meadow. I absolutely love this horse. I don't think he gave his run in behind the little yank the last day at all. And that'll just leave him nice and spot on for uh, for a tilt at the Martin Pipe should he rock up here. Uh, Kean, last word for the handicaps goes to you. Give us the winner of the Martin Pipe, please. Yeah, just looking at odds checker here, there's strong moves for Langer, Dan and Stateman, both 5-1 to one currently. Um, as you touched on there, Darren, uh, Gordon Elliott has a really good um, record in the race. Uh, I don't think Hollow Games would go. If he did, I'd be interested in him. But the one I do like is um, Chemical Energy. Uh, he's he's a very progressive horse. I mean, he was beaten by my mate, Mozzie, who's definitely a graded animal. Uh, also won last time out at Fairy House, beaten uh, Lunar Display. Was taught good enough to run in the bumper last year, albeit disappointed. But um, yeah, I think he could uh, he could be a bit of a plot job for us. And uh, he looks like a well-handicapped horse. Yeah, very good. Interesting one there from you, Kean. Uh, before we go to a break, I am going to say about Langer Dan, I think it's one of the most disgraceful pieces of handicapping I've ever seen in my entire life. This horse gets to run in this race again this year off America 137. He was second behind Gallop and Deschamps last year, beating two lengths. Gallop and Deschamps is now a 165 rated chaser, end up being rated 155 over hurdles after winning the grade one in Punchestown. Uh, Langer Dan wasn't seen until last week uh, when he ran at Taunton, uh, ran absolutely no race, flattened out, and he's managed to be dropped three pounds on that from a mark 140. Uh, as in, you talk about leniency and poor handicapping, I really don't see how a horse that ran in this off 135 last year behind probably the most progressive horse in training near enough now gets to run in it off mark 137. But anyway, that's just my little gripe. We are going to take a quick break. We'll be back right after to have a look at some of the races from an anti-post perspective this weekend. You're listening to the Race Hour podcast, brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk. Check out bookmakers.co.uk each and every day for tips, news and the best odds for horse racing. Looking for a new bookmaker and the best sign-off offers in the industry? You'll find that at bookmakers.co.uk, sponsors of the Race Hour. Good afternoon and welcome back to this week's episode of The Race Hour. As we said, coming at you at the earlier day of Tuesday uh, in association with bookmakers.co.uk and kindly sponsored by our good friends at Fansbet. So the first portion of the show, we took a look at last weekend and then spun you through 
painstakingly spun you through every single handicap at the Cheltenham Festival with a selection from our panel of experts. And we are going to take a quick look now before we wrap up at the weekend's racing. Starting with the Greatwood Gold Cup, which takes place in Newbury at 10 to 2 on Saturday. And Dermot Nolan, I am going to come to you for a selection here. Esport de Guy heads the market with fans bet at the moment. Uh, yeah, that's obviously very interesting. If, if this horse does, um, Venetia Williams just just had a bit of concern about the the health of her stable's well being. So there's uh, just just to be careful of anyone backing that horse there. But the one I like here is uh, is Cheddleton for Jenny Candish, who seems to be in great form. And Daryl O'Keefe's a very um, eye catching book in there as well as to what he's doing going over to the UK. He must have a a relationship with the owners, but he's down to ride two two for Jenny Candish. So that is. Extremely interesting, but her horses are actually in really good form. This is a, a talented horse, and uh, if he does rock up here on the day, Darren, I'll be back in. Uh, won't be back in a Manti Post. I have enough Manti Post bets to do, but uh, Cheddleton on the day if he does turn up with uh, with Daryl O'Keefe, indeed, book booked. I'll be very interested in him. Yeah, I will just express a word of warning. He's the exact same horse I came down on. He is also entered at Doncaster this weekend. Daryl yeah. O'Keefe is also declared for there. And Daryl O'Keefe is declared to ride another horse in Doncaster, McGowan's Pass, which would suggest maybe Cheddleton might go there. So as, as Dermo says, keep hold of your fire until Thursday morning when decks come out. But certainly were, uh, were he to rock up in either race, Cheddleton, I think he's of interest. I, I think stepping up to two and a half miles could bring out a bit of further improvement in him. Um, Simon, I'm going to come to you for a selection here for this race. Do you have one? Yeah, I like Emma Lavelle's Man of the Mountain, who I've never seen a horse jump fences as well as he jumped first time out this year when, when second uh, behind Paint the Dream. He is tailor-made for fencing. He looks a, a proper prospect for future. He's been kept to decent ground, although he has one on soft ground. So I don't know what the plan is and whether they'll run him at the weekend. He was good enough to finish eighth in a Paddy Power. Um, I'm I just sure he's better than one four three. And I think going forward, I think Man the Mountain is a, a real young chaser to follow. Yeah, you get no disagreement here from me. He's, he certainly was on the shortlist. And Kean, I'll close out with you, please. A selection for the Great Wood Gold Cup handicap chase. Yeah, obviously with the Cheltenham Festival so close now, the racing this weekend isn't exactly uh, enthralling stuff. But um, if I was pushed for a pick, I'd go with um, the Fergal O'Brien trained uh, Dublin 4. He's ran three times at Newbury. He's won twice. Gets in off a low weight off 128. I reckon he's uh, he's a bit of upside to him. And at 8-1 to one or so, I think he'll uh, definitely grab a place. Yeah, very good. So three, so- excuse me, three solid selections there from the lads. Uh, we're going to head slightly northwards now of uh, Newbury up to the Highlands, uh, where Kelso have their big day of the year. And the first race on the card there, the first main race, I suppose, on the card there is the Bet365 Premier Chase, where we have Espor Durame in as the 9-4 Fav, Itchy Feet 3-1, Bristol Demai entered 10-3, might find it hard to back up here after his exertions on Haydock only a week or two ago. But, uh, Kian, I'm going to stick with you for a selection here, please. It's a tricky little race. Yeah, it's a decent race, this actually. I'm sure if Dean was on the podcast, he'd definitely be tipping uh, Windsor Avenue, who actually won last time out for him. Uh, one thing I will say is I do not think Espoir de Rame is a 160 horse. Um, he was not a novice last year. I mean, he was going toe-to-toe with Chantry House at Aintree um, when he fell, but I don't think that form has worked out well. And then he was comfortably beaten at Carlisle in October. Hasn't been seen since then, but I wouldn't be surprised if... He wasn't that good. Then the next two in the in the market, Itchy Feet just doesn't win enough races for me to be that kind of a price. Also, Bristol Demai 
ran a screamer the last day but you'd wonder at 11 years of age how much is that taken out of him so the one i actually like is uh the sandy thompson trained empire steel who absolutely bolted up um at this track last time out by 16 lengths um i was surprised to see it at seven to one i think it should be maybe a seven to two shot and um yeah that's the that's the pick here for me Derm, we're going to come to you for a selection here please i agree with everything that keen said because i didn't even look at this race uh so um uh I trust, I have full trust in King Corby and uh, <laughs> I am uh, I'm happy to row in behind him. Very good. And Simon, I'll come to you then for a selection here. Please, the Bet365 Premier Chase. I'm going to look like an idiot. <laughs> uh, I'd never disagree with Kean. Normally in everything that Kean says, I totally agree with. I'm not saying necessarily Spire de Romay is a 160 horse. I think definitely Carlisle, is, it wasn't his true running. Kim Bailey's horses were bang out of form and they've been bang out of form for most of this year. In the last couple of, um, also this season, in the last few weeks, he's he's chucked in a couple of winners, and I think they're they're better um, than the, what they were. I agree, you may not take the Aintree form at face value, but Shamblu was tailed off in eventually second that day when he fell. Um, the funny story was listening to Kim Bailey talking about the day at Leicester when he thought he was going to hack up in a novice chase and got stuffed out of sight. The horse that beat it was obviously Royal Pagal. Um, I wasn't impressed with many horses in this race, and just by default, I think Espoir de Romay is still young enough to be to be plenty um, plenty of improvement still left in him. And like I said, Bailey's had four winners in his last uh, seventeen runners, so I think his horses have just come into the boil. He's certainly a trainer. When they start winning, they all win. Um, very similar to, to the Sue Smith Yard, um, and on the contrary, when they they start losing, they all do the same. I think Espoir de Romay will take a lot of beating. Spardorama saw a bit of disagreement there in the panels. So two races left before I come to you lads for Naps and we're staying in Kelso for probably their highlight of the year uh, in the shape of the Moor Battle Hurdle, which since being returned to uh, to a handicap from a conditions race, I think is, uh, it's really reinvigorated this race. And of course, Kelso putting on a £100,000 bonus for uh, for this race, I think, and then any horse that goes on to win at Cheltenham, which Boover Dare is likely to aim to try and do on his return here. He is six to one, but he's not favourite. He's in behind Metier at five to one and Balco Coast at eleven to two. So Simon, I'm going to stick with you for a selection here, please. Um, I've got no real opinion of it. I, I it has crossed my mind whether if Boover Dare runs, is he keeping the weights down for Balco Coastal? Um, I I think. He's a lot better than uh, the form suggests behind North Lodge because I think he's a horse that takes a tug and wants a decent gallop, and they they went no pace in that race. I loved his his novice hurdle form when he beat Freya Darm, um, giving seven pounds. I've got no great opinion, like I said, in the race. I just think that Balco Coastal um, at this stage could could be tr- plotted up for it potentially. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this horse as well. Uh, the price probably isn't giving much away at this point, but um, I do think he's going to prove to be considerably better than his current mark. And I think it's the mid-130s is what he's at at the moment. Uh, Dermot, going to come to you. I'm assuming you've taken a look at this race, uh, the, the more Battle Hurdle. Have you got one for us? <laughs> I have. Uh, Autumn Evening is uh, my pick here. Um, I put this horse up after the Dublin Racing Festival that, that this was a winner in waiting once again. I mean, this was the horse that broke. Jessica Harrington was, was horses were running like drains for a long, long time. And um, this horse completely broke that and ran an absolutely huge race at Fairy House. After that point, then 
at Leopardstown, the Dublin Racing Festival. I think Sean O'Keefe would take this ride back if he could. Um, this horse absolutely travelled all over that field. Um, and then just he got to the front just that bit too soon and it ended up getting run down by by David Russell. That's really strong form, like very strong form. He gets put up seven pounds by the UK handicapper, but I don't think that's going to be enough to stop him. I completely respect Balco Coastal and I respect a few of these, but I do just think the Irish hurdlers are, are, are just ahead again this season. So um, autumn evening for me, whilst I know he's giving away reams of weight, uh, Jessica Harrington has definitely spotted one here. Sean O'Keefe can make amends for for last time and this is a horse seriously on the up he's a five-year-old who's already boasting a handicap mark of 147 and i think he's better than that and the rest of the field here um as likable as they are i just don't think they're uh they're up to that level whatsoever yeah that's a fair shout i suppose probably the irish hurdlers probably are a small tick ahead of the brits at this point and key into round out the more battle hurdle i'm going to come to you for a selection please yeah, I'd be a huge uh, Balco Coastal fan as well. I mean, Nicky Henderson always runs his best bumper horses at Kempton. Bolted up at Kempton, um, was was taught good enough to run, um, was sent off favour for the entry bumper, then won his next two hurdle races, Cosley, and finished second at Cheltenham behind North Lodge and a different kind. I mean, that's that's a very strong novice hurdle form. I wouldn't be surprised if he developed into a mid-140 source or possibly 150 source, so... One three four looks uh, very lean, lenient for him, and just one more horse at a bizarre price is the Michael Scudamore train Lebowski. I think he's about the twenty eight to one mark. Um, won two novice hurdles this season, and then was taught good enough to run it in a Grade Two Supreme Trial behind John Bon. Um, he was going. He was. There was a really hot race like Richmond Leg, Mighty Eye Nelsons. They're all very good horses, and he was going with them until two out, and then um. The jockey just said the the gelding lost his action. He was pulled up, so I think he's better than that run suggests. And off one two four, I think he could have a a couple of pounds in hand. So at twenty eight to one, he's worth worth uh, an each whip shout there. Uh, yeah, if you do, fa- he's twenty two to one. Um, Lebowski with fans bet, and if you do fancy one at a bigish price, fans bet are currently uh, paying four places on this race, a quarter of the odds, and there are only seventeen horses entered. So, if you have one that you're pretty sure is going to show up, uh, it's likely this race will cut up a small bit more than sixteen runners. So you could be nicking a place there. And to round out this week's uh podcast, before we come to the lads for the nap naps, I should say. Uh, at the half three in Doncaster on Saturday, we have the Grimthorpe Handicap Chase where. Lamilos or Lamilos, depending on your uh, on your persuasion, heads the field here at seven to two. And Dermo, if you mute me again, we're going to fall out. But I'm going to stick with you for a selection here in this race, please. I actually love this race. Uh, we used to sponsor this when I used to work for uh, for Betbright back in those uh, those Hallow Sundays. Um, and uh, absolutely love it. Great track is uh, is Doncaster. Um, this is just as we expect, unbelievably tough. But I kind of took a flyer here on um on Powerstown Park, who was actually really good last time, uh, winning by a length of three quarters at um, Hereford. That would, that, that would have done his confidence an awful lot of good. Obviously, we'll need to step forward quite a bit from kind of runs like that, but I think he is capable of it. Sam Thomas is having one hell of a year, and this is just this is a horse who is going the right way in here off a tiny mark. Something like this probably has been the plan. Sam Thomas has been absolutely brilliant at kind of picking apart the, uh, the calendar this season, and a horse like... Uh, Powerstone Park with a really underrated jockey in in Lorcan Williams on his back. I think he uh, he could take a bit of stopping here as well there. Very good. Powerstown Park for Dermot. Uh Kean, gonna to come to you for a selection here, please, if you have one. Um 
Yeah, I'll just go with st uh, Storm Control around the 5 to 1 mark. He ran twice at Doncaster, was second and first. Um, I reckon he'll be ridden prominently, and it's a very sound jumper, so I, I don't see him being out of the places. Yeah, Carrie Lee's yard going pretty well at the moment as well. Uh, so that could be a very uh, adept selection for Kean at this early stage. And then, Simon, I'm going to give you the last word, a selection in this race, please. I did mention I, I normally agree with Kean, and I'm going to agree with Kean again in this one. I think I think Storm controls the the most solid horse in the race. I have no doubt he should have won last time out against Windsor Avenue. His young pilot kicked him for home slightly too soon, I think, and, and the horse did what the horse does, and that's pull himself up. I think if if held on to for a tiny bit longer, I know he's up in the weights, um, but I like the Doncaster form, um, with course form. Like Keen says, it's normally touched with a solid jumper. He's also another horse that, when he finds his form, he goes on a roll a bit, and when he doesn't, he, obviously the opposite happens. So the pulled up, pulled up. Now he's recaptured his form, um, winning on his penultimate start and then running a cracker last time, finishing second. I think he's the most solid horse in the race. Yeah, very good. Um, certainly does have the back form to get involved here. Right, lads, so that's brings us to the end of the podcast. Uh, I am going to first of all come to each of you just in case you have anything else for the weekend coming. I'm going to ask you for your nap of the handicaps from Cheltenham, because I forgot to ask you earlier on, and then your nap from the four races we've just covered there, or from anywhere else, if, if you have them for the weekend coming. So, Simon, because uh, they're all three hard questions, I'm going to stick with you to give the other two lads a chance to scramble their answers. Uh, anything else <laughs> for the weekend? Uh, a nap from Cheltenham and a nap for this weekend, please. Um, my nap will be another race for the weekend, so I'll go through that in a minute. The nap for the Cheltenham Festival of Handicaps, like I said, is, is Gal Road. I think he's a really progressive horse. Um, I think he's he reasonably well in off his mark. Uh, he's got proven big field form where this time last year when he was running in the same race he didn't have. Um, I think Gal Road will take a, a, a lot of stopping in the, to get out the frame in the, in the Coral Cup. The, nap, the weekend, um, I like quite like a horse running the first race at Doncaster called Fontana Elise. Sorry, Elise. Um, trained by Sam Drinkwater, which is a trainer I've got a lot of time for. He just seems uh, a six-year-old gelding. seems quite a progressive sort. He won at Foss Lass a couple of starts ago. Um, he then followed that up. He was raised from Class 4 company to Class 2 at Taunton, which looks quite a strong race um, for the track. He was held up. He ran on, stayed on well, finished second, beaten half a length by a Kim Bailey horse, a Giro. The first four in the race, three of the first four, were all... Um, on the pace in that race. He was the only one that was held up. Uh, I just think he, he's potentially better than his mark. He goes back into class four company at Doncaster. And I really like the booking in advance of Jack Tudor, who will be on a, on a roll, obviously after Captain Odd. Yeah, very good. So that's Fontana, Alicia, yeah, with certain, a very informed um, Jack Tudor uh, in the plate for Simon for his nap for this weekend, along with Gowell Road in the Carl Cup. Uh, Dermot, I'm going to come to you next. Anything else for the weekend? A nap from the Handicaps of Cheltenham and your nap from the weekend, please. And thank you. Yeah, of course. So my um, my tip for the week ahead is just to make sure that you watch the uh, the race hour preview night that uh, will be live hopefully on Thursday or Friday in association with fansbet and bookmakers.co.uk. Uh, my tip for the Handicaps is just I'm following the confidence. I very rarely do this. I always try and be the wise guy and think of an outsider and everything else but I, i'm going to follow the 
crazy confidence and say that frontal assault is the one that I I, I will continue to back for the uh, for the handicaps at the uh, at the Cheltenham Festival. And um, for the weekend ahead, I'd recommend to uh, make yourself a cup of tea and just put whatever 10 or 20 quid you were going to put down on the weekend's action and put that on frontal assault as well then. Wow, very confident selection there from, from Dermot Nolan. So as he says, a tip is to watch the uh, the preview night that's going to be st- uh, recorded tomorrow night and streamed hopefully Thursday and Friday. And as he says, then again, frontal assault for the Gordon Elliott team. And Kean Kirby, as ever, uh, leave the best until last. We'll give you the last word here. Anything else the weekend? A nap from the handicap selections and your nap for the weekend, please. Cheers, Darren. Yeah, I'll just touch on um, two horses for the weekend here at Kelso. The first horse is in the, the Grade 2 Premier Novice Hurdle. The 130 is a horse called Bold Endeavour. Um, it's a pretty hot race. We've got Richmond Lake in there, who's been well supported, who was uh, second to John Bon, and North Lodge as well, who's obviously decent decent form. But, um, I mean, this Bold Endeavour has absolutely hacked up. It won a point to point by 11 lengths, won at Sedgefield by 10, Sedgefield again by 5 lengths, and the last day at Weatherby, he wasn't particularly well fancied, and he bolted up again by 12 lengths. Um, I think if he was trained by a more um, high-profile trainer, he'd be half that price. He's currently uh, 7-1 for that race. I think if, if he runs in that race, um, I think he'll take a lot of beating. And also in the 343 at Kelso, um, the Lucinda, uh, Lucinda Russell trained Douglas Talking. Looks like a, looks like a horse who's really got his act together over... Um, Fences was it was a well below average hurdler, but his last two runs over fences, uh, he's just got to the front and is absolutely hacked up at Musselboro and Sandown. He still gets in off a rating off one one eight. I think he'll take all the beating there. Um, naps wise for the weekend, I will go with um the horse I just mentioned, Bowl Endeavour, at uh, around seven to one in the one thirty at Kelso, and my naps for the Cheltenham Festival handicaps. Um, would agree with Derma on frontal assault, and also my pick would be editor de G in the grand annual off 153. I think he, he wouldn't look out of place in a champion chase, so yeah, those are a couple of picks for me there. Very good, happy days. That's brilliant stuff, lads. Thank you so much. Uh, that was a lengthy podcast to get through with all the podcast with all the handicaps, sorry, I should say, at the Cheltenham Festival, but I think we've done a stellar job of breaking them down for, for the listeners and hopefully there should be a few winners in there so with that we're going to leave you for this week as derma already said i'll give it another plug we are recording the uh, the race hour Cheltenham preview night tomorrow night in the goat bar in dublin which will be available to stream hopefully at some point on thursday if not very early on friday uh, apart from that thank you as ever to bookmakers.co.uk thank you to fans but also for sponsoring the podcast and to everyone listening in thank you very much as always for listening in Best of luck with your bets and we will be back next week with one final look before the Cheltenham Festival. Good night and God bless. You've been listening to The Race Hour, brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk. Your best bet for tips, news and bookmaker reviews.